Welcome back to Reality Asserts Itself on The Real News Network. I'm Paul Jay, and we're continuing our discussion with Professor Alexander Buzgalan. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you. So one more time, the professor is the director of the Center for Modern Marxist Studies at Moscow State University. So we left off the last segment. You were talking about the tremendous inequality of, uh, in, in Russia today. Uh, a billionaire class of maybe 100 billionaires in a, a country economy far, far smaller than the United States or China. Uh, average w wage, you were saying, is something like, what, $500 a month? Yeah, wage of uh, one half of population. 50% of the population and 20 million people living on, what would you say, like under, under the poverty line, which was, what, about $150 a month? Um, so gross inequality, and people can see the lifestyle, this lavish lifestyle of the oligarchy um, and uh, a pretty modest amount of democracy. I mean, it's not, the, I, I think it's the kind of tyranny that gets described in the Western press is ridiculous. And especially when elections here are also pretty ridiculous. That being said, there's certainly, there's not as much uh, democracy, especially as in terms of Western Europe as a comparison. Um, all that being said, Putin seems to be incredibly popular. And maybe, you know, we're told 70% popularity in elections. He wins pretty close to 70% of the vote. Um, why? First of all, uh, this is a big question mark. <laughs> yeah. I can uh, give some explanations, but uh, in some aspects, this is a big question mark, even for me. Uh, I will use historical approach. I'm a Marxist professor, as you said, and this is true. Uh, first of all, uh, as we mentioned in previous segments, uh, previous parts, uh, we had terrible disorder criminalization and the crisis, very deep crisis in 1990s, when uh, Putin was nobody and power was in the hands, uh, I mean nobody because he was not in power, in political elite. And power was in the hands of uh, barons, uh, new barons, uh, bankers, and uh, Yeltsin. So uh, when uh, he came to power, economy uh, had first of all growth because of oil prices, but it was growth, and then stabilization. It was stagnation, but not decline. Second, uh, it was stabilization of the rules of the game. Not because it was a dream of Putin or because he was so strong and so good, but because it was necessary for ruling class to keep the rules of the game in order to make normal profit in normal circumstances. After primitive accumulation of capital, after war of everybody against everybody. Which uh, means free-for-all grabbing the assets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when violence is used, not, not only commercial methods, normal commercial methods to kill economically competitors, but also direct methods to kill him uh, physically, for yeah, real, yeah. Uh, feudal methods. Uh, after that, uh, for capitalism, when it came to, when uh, concentration of capital um, achieved uh, level, when there is big uh, corporations, for them it's necessary to have the order. And they required order and they required Putin. And uh, for people it was also not so bad because finally we didn't have uh, now permanent bandit wars, wars in the streets of big cities. Yeah? Uh, we still have not very peaceful life, but still uh, but, uh, not as bad as before. So first stabilization. And now uh, first factor why Putin is popular, 
because people did not see a position which can change situation without new crisis and catastrophe. People are afraid of any changes. When we are starting to talk, they say, oh, changes, it will be worse. It cannot so be better. Putin or chaos. Yes. So they are afraid of uh, changes of the rules of the game. These rules are bad, but there are rules. We have terrible policemen. Uh, you had, I think, a movie in America, uh, kill a cop, yeah? So, but we have cop, <laughs> maybe he's not Well, there's lots of ki actual killer cops too, it's yeah, not just it's movies. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, that's why it is better to have uh, rules of the game than to have new chaos, first factor. Second factor, very important, uh, the problem with opposition. We have two types of opposition. One is artificially created by Western media in Russia, they are not uh, serious. This is liberal opposition, or so-called liberal opposition. People who had power during Yeltsin's power, uh, Yeltsin's presidency in 1990s, and uh, people understand that if these guys who are talking about democracy will have power again, it will be no democracy, because in 1993, I want to remind, they destroyed parliament by tanks, and it was no problem for them. Uh, and we had political prisoners before, and we have now, so it's more or less the same. But it will be even more strong uh, uh, capitalist exploitation. Plus, we will be under the control of uh, NATO and uh, Western capitalist, or in Russia, it's Western uh, type of life. And here we are coming. This is if the, this liberal, liberal opposition, opposition would be successful. Yeah, we will it have would be a, a, a much stronger imposition of Western capitalist interests. Yeah, yeah. And people don't want this. Uh, communist opposition, so opposition of Communist Party, uh, when uh, it was nearly victory of uh, Zyuganov, leader of Communist Party in 1996, and he said, no, no, I will not be president. After that, uh, Communist Party lost popularity and support. People understood they're not decisive and strong enough in, for taking power. Even if they win elections, it will be nothing. So it's necessary to have real strong, real decisive, responsible opposition. And absence of such opposition is important fact. So why isn't it that? Where is a yes. kind of more indigenous, and, and, even if you want, social democratic opposition so, that isn't pro-Western? Yeah, Where so is the question is why we don't have strong opposition. First of all, uh, this uh, opposition exists like idea, uh, like a dream, like a wish, but not in reality. Why not in reality? Uh, again, big question mark, and even theoretical problem for us. Uh, I cannot give a very well-founded answer. I'm very sorry for that. It's my obligation as scholar to do this, but I can give only some characteristics, why not, features, why not. Uh, mainly because Russia had the very long history of paternalistic organization of social life. 500 years of Russian empire, then shot explosive, revolutionary explosive of social creativity during revolution and first years after revolution. And then Stalin model, Stalin's model, with again extremely paternalistic model of behavior. And finally, last uh, decades of Soviet Union, we discussed this question. Uh, it was period with peaceful life when everything was from the state. It's like a family where father is strong, father can beat kids, 
but kids are not uh, hungry, they have dress, they have education, they have peaceful life, and everything only from father. Kid himself or herself cannot do anything. He or she can only ask, father, please help us. And father will give what you need. As long as you get along with it. Yeah, uh, if you are not protesting. Yeah. So that's why uh, this tradition destroyed uh, real energy of self-organization. And it's necessary to have long traditions in order to fight against huge power of bourgeoisie. Uh, but uh, we have underground uh, wish and intentions to have such a position. That's why it can appear very rapidly, by the way. How actively does the, the state suppress attempts to create this kind of opposition? Let's maybe move to the questions of democracy, oppression of opposition, and the ideological debates a little later. I want to stress uh, one more factor why Putin became popular. So uh, one more factor which is important, uh, he uh, used uh, nostalgia uh, on Soviet Union and uh, real dreams about rebirth of Russia as a respectable strong state. During all epoch of uh, semi-colonization of Russia by, by the West in 1990s, we had this uh, dream hope. And uh, westernization was brutal. Instead of very deep, uh, good, uh, smart uh, Soviet-Russian culture, we received this McDonaldization of uh, our life. During the 90s. Uh, yeah, and even uh, English language became everywhere uh, in the advertising and so on. Yeah, And it was big attack on the national proud and attack on the morality and mentality of people. Putin used patriotic slogans. He rebuilt again respect to army, respect to the state, respect to the... And in Russia, uh, in Russian language, state means not apparatus. State means country with population, history, territory, all together as value. And this is their value in the history of Russia during 500 years. And uh, this value was protected from fascism during Second World War. And we paid a uh, huge price. 30 million people were killed to keep this value alive and to defeat fascism. And it was not nothing. That's why he used this patriotism. He used the idea of the victory in Second World War. This is a very important part of our intellectual, ideological, cultural life now. Make Russia great again. Yeah. And the idea to make Russia great again uh, became important. And then uh, he proved this by uh, three decisive steps. And before, we didn't have leader who can be risky, decisive, and responsible. And in Russia, there is need in such leader. This is, again, tradition and mentality. So first, uh, Crimea. Uh, second, uh, support, more or less support of Donbass independent region inside Ukraine. And uh, finally, uh, Syria. It was uh, not so important for Russia, but uh, first time Russia, uh, not Russia, first time in the modern history, first time during the last 25 years, we, mankind, had country which said no to NATO. Even China never said no. China said we abstain. 
And Putin came, not Putin, Russian elite, better to say, uh, with support of people, came and said, NATO, bim, go out. We don't respect you. You don't like it? No problem. We will beat you. Why do that? The Chinese strategy of gaining slowly, slowly, and sometimes quickly gaining more and more strength economically and avoiding direct confrontation with the United States, at least until China is even much stronger, seems like a pretty smart strategy. Why get into such a direct confrontation with the United States? First of all, China's strategy in economy was impossible from the point of view of creation of enormous wealth in the hands of few families during a few years. It was necessary to spend 40 years to create Chinese capital, and this Chinese capital is under the control of bureaucracy. And they're not very happy with this. In Russia, during a few years, they created enormous wealth. We have the same number of billionaires as China, and China is 10 times bigger. Uh, so that's why Chinese mode of uh, creation of economic uh, stable growth was not profitable for Russian ruling forces. I get that. About uh, why, uh, the, why the policy, uh, I will explain. For Putin, in, this, in the situation of such deep contradictions in the country, with the negative relation of majority of people towards economic policy, it was necessary to have something which will show that he is strong, uh, good, and protector of Russian people. Foreign policy was the only chance. And I think it was also adequate for his personal values, mentality, ideology. Uh, Russian elite has double consciousness. They partly came from uh, criminals, but uh, majority came from uh, state party officials of the second, third, fourth generation. And they still have um, uh, inside themselves uh, love to Russia, love to country, love to state, and they want to be respectable together with the country. Respected. Respected by everybody together with the country. They associate themselves with the country. They are not uh, rich without nation. They want to be Russian oligarchs. So standing up to the United States is part of make Russia great again. Yes. And by the way, it is uh, reflected by a big part of uh, population all over the world. When you come to Arab countries, when you come to China, to India, they applaud. Guys, first time uh, we have a force which beat NATO. Maybe not beat, but at least not capitulated and not abstained. Said no. Uh, I just want to say, uh, in standing up, and making Russia great again, I don't want in any way suggest the United States doesn't deserve to be stood up to. I'm talking a strategy and a tactic here. Yes, uh, of course. The, uh, I just, I know I'm going to get some email. <laughs> uh, in terms of this popularity, making Russia great again, uh, it, it included an alliance with the Russian Orthodox Church and, and a very you know, a dark right-wing side of this emergence of what this new great Russia is. Uh, why? why? Uh, we have, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, refeudalization of our life. And we have a lot of elements of late feudalism. 
And uh, this is reality. And the uh, growth of the role of church as institution, not even religion, but uh, church as institution, is part of uh, power of uh, these top officials together with uh, oligarchs. They must have ideology. And by the way, in Russia, we have enormous debates now. What is national ideology of Russia? And nobody knows. Common idea is patriotism. But patriotism is not enough, really, for ideology. Uh, and the question is, what kind of Russia do we want to have? And if we love Russia, what does it mean? What is Russia? And here, church is not bad idea. Not bad, not from my point of view. From my point of view, this is terrible because we have refutalization of consciousness, of education, of uh, even science. Uh, we have theology everywhere. Priests can come for the scientific forum to say, you must uh, make your scientific debates. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, I don't know how to say, Blagoslavlia vas, and so on. Yeah, so something like that. So, and this is not good, really. And the church is very bureaucratic organization, very commercialized organization. I don't know if it's the case for the United States, but we have a lot of anecdotes about priests, about church, about their wealth, about their uh, accumulation of capital and so on in uh, internet, in the internet. So this is part of our reality. Certainly part of the religious life in the United States is there's a great body here of TV evangelists who go on TV asking for money. And of course, even you know the Catholic Church owns a lot of land and so on. But the main religion here is the interweaving of Christianity with Americanism. And it's, I guess, somewhat similar. Like, look, Americanism over here, don't look at the American oligarchy. Uh, the, uh, but Putin's, it's not just about the make Russia great again. It's not just about this uh, connection and use or alliance with the Russian Orthodox Church. But th there's a, re a real right-wing spirit about this, this state, which also makes use of the development of the right wing in Europe and seems to have allies in developing the uh, kind of right wing nationalist movement in Europe. Why? Uh, again, very complex question. But first of all, I want to stress that I don't know about Europe. I think they have similar features. But in Russia, uh, conservative ideology and conservative trends in culture uh, grew up as alternative to liberalism. We have uh, forced primitive and very aggressive uh, liberalization, not liberalization, uh, attack of uh, this uh, right liberal values. And they were implemented, and they were implemented not uh, like values of freedom, or even not like values of personal proud and the activity of personality, but as values of money, commodity, commodity and money. And this came uh, to our life and Soviet life was different from this. And I mentioned that for, let's say, the most progressive part of Soviet Union, money was a mean, not goal. And when we received this primitive commercialization of everything under the slogan of liberalism and freedom, under the slogan of democracy, we received chaos and criminal, criminalization of life. Then it was necessary to look for alternative. And Putin came and said, we have alternative, traditional values of Russia. And it's not nothing. It is a very good culture. It is traditions of heroic struggle against fascism. Uh, 
It is Soviet culture which was very humanistic, like classic Russian culture. So what is better, Hollywood movies with permanent battles of stupid uh, soldiers against another stupid bandits, or uh, Leo Tolstoy and so on? But some of that narrative is not from the Soviet Union. Some of that narrative is Great Russia pre-Soviet Union, yes, but which is this alliance with the Russian church. We, yeah, it's all together. We have, uh, from one hand, the idealization of Russian empire, uh, primitive and very strong, with church and so on. From another hand, we have, uh, again, a lot of Soviet movies, especially about victory in Great Patriotic War, World War II. And these movies are really very good and very humanistic. Because you get this contradictory, at least on the face of it, where you have like Russia Today television uh, inv inviting various prominent left-wing personalities to have their own shows even, and tons, all kinds of left-wing guests. On the other hand, a clear sympathy for the rise of Trump as president. Uh, in Europe, with Marie Le Pen, France, and others, this connection with the rise of right-wing neo-fascism uh, this is a, a complicated patchwork, but it, yeah, it but tends to favor the right. It is, you're absolutely right, and the situation is really dangerous, because uh, let's move back in the history. In 1920s, late 1920s, early 1930s, in Europe was the alternative. Either we are going to the left, social democrats, communists, anarchists, Trotskyists, everybody together, or we are going to Nazi, fascism, uh, national socialism, uh, quasi-socialism, like Hitler, uh, Mussolini, uh, Franco, and so on. So now we have more or less the same. Why? Because it was crisis of uh, liberal capitalism. It was necessary to have something in other. And Great Depression showed that it's necessary. It was necessary. The same now. There is crisis of neoliberal ideology. What can be the alternative? So-called left among social democrats in Europe became liberals, uh, sometimes even more stupid than uh, real liberals, uh, neoliberals. Yeah. Uh, what is in the f eyes of uh, Russians, Le Pen and others, alternative to liberalism? And they have a lot of blah, 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 but these blah, blah, blah are against uh, market fetishism sometimes. These blah, blah, blah are against uh, democracy as opportunity to make whatever you want. Uh, plus, a uh, very big question, which I don't want to debate now, but I think that uh, destruction of uh, traditional values uh, through methods of market is more negative than positive. When we have uh, marketization of life uh, and uh, struggle against uh, family oppression, lead to the marketization of family relations, I don't know what is worse. Yeah, I mean, this is why the you have such a terrible... by father or the kid which is, has uh, bargaining with father about money for his uh, activity. Well, it's worse than that. You have such an opioid, opioid and drug crisis in the United States. It's partly because the, there's, there's no values left in the... Uh, so yeah. little values left yeah. in the culture. And I think right? this is a big problem for the left. They did not create alternative to right-wing opposition to neoliberalism. But this is another topic. Okay, we're gonna continue the discussion. Please join us for the next segment of our discussion with Professor Bruce Gallen on The Real News Network.